Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Braun, and we're here to talk about the Packers' embarrassing loss to the Minnesota Vikings that uh, went down on Sunday afternoon. It was not a pleasant sight, to say the least. How are you feeling, Braun? Yeah, man, I'm doing good. Uh, rough loss uh, against the Vikings, but, you know, uh, we're going to talk about uh, talk about the game, of course, and the upcoming trade deadline. Um, and, and we'll also get into this Thursday night game coming up. Yeah. Just to start with the general reactions from the game, the defense was not good today. It was almost to the point of the NFC championship game. Honestly, Dalvin cook had a monster day on the ground. Uh, the Packers could just for the majority of the game could not do anything to stop him. And, uh, he had that one 50 yard touchdown. That was a screenplay and it looked like the Alvin Kamara, screenplay from uh week three against the saints where <laughs> we had like 12 opportunities to tackle him and just no one can it was like that all afternoon for dalvin cook he was eating us up as we predicted he would you know going into the game what else would you expect from the vikings getting dalvin cook back and uh we still couldn't stop it and on offense it was nothing but efficiency in the first half and then it kind of got worse once we started having to play from behind once they started doubling Devontae Adams, we didn't really have any answers for that. And, it, you know, we started to come back towards the end of the game, but it really wasn't enough to make up for the inefficiencies that went down in the third and most of the fourth quarter. So, Bron, what are you uh, what are you thinking from this game? Yeah, it definitely wasn't uh, a fun game to watch. You know, it's it's one of those games that we thought was going to be a blowout, um, especially with the lack of uh, guys in the secondary healthy for Minnesota. Uh, they're, you know, they're dealing with injuries. Dalvin Cook coming back after being injured for a few weeks. Um, you know, they traded Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, so they're definitely a worse team on paper than they were in week one. Uh, but, you know, Rodgers talked about it as well. They came out with a different game plan this time around, uh, and they were able to execute it. And a lot of things didn't go our way. It was almost like a perfect storm of things just uh, just not falling in our favor. I felt like, you know, in most games, we can overcome one or two things that are kind of setting us back. Uh, you know, like the holding calls was one thing. I, on a normal day, we could probably overcome that if it's just the just the holdings or, you know, some of the bad calls that we saw. All that, I mean, and then and then the fact that the wind was a factor for us passing and, and the Vikings didn't really have to throw the ball much with Dalvin Cook running it, and we couldn't get the run game going without Aaron Jones. Uh, really combining all that was kind of like a perfect storm of, of what could go down in a loss, even against a, a, a team that's not a great football team in the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, that's what really sucks is that this is not a great football team, and uh, we all had the highest of expectations for this game for the Packers. You know, this is a one in five team. They just traded Unique Ngakwe. It looks like a team who's ready to just settle for a good draft pick. And they come in and upset us at Lambeau. And you're right. It was a perfect storm of things that were stacked against us. It was the holding calls on the offensive line. It's something we haven't really had to deal with all year. The NFL in general, the refs haven't been calling holding a lot this year and then all of a sudden Elton Jenkins has two penalties Mercedes Lewis has two penalties it was insane and uh, that really killed a lot of drives in the second half for us and uh, on defense though I don't know I don't know I wasn't high on the defense coming into the game and I am much lower on it now we look like <laughs> <laughs> we, look, we look like legit one of the worst defenses in the NFL and that's insane for the amount of talent we have. Granted, it's not the most talented defensive roster. We got a lot of undrafted players, a lot of late-round picks playing out there. But still, the amount of money and high draft picks that we have invested in that team, the guys we know who are good, we know these guys are good. And it just seems like every week they're in awful positions and they can never, uh, they can never come up for us when our offense isn't playing their best game. I think that's definitely part of it, the fact that in this game specifically, one thing I noticed was that when the offense was playing well, the defense was not. And then when the defense finally started to play well, uh, it was a, it was kind of too little too late for the offense when they started humming once again. Uh, and that, that was really what it came down to, uh, you know, and we're going to talk about that penalty uh, uh, that was picked up, the P.I. that was, you know, that would have given the Packers a first down within striking distance of a touchdown uh, to put the game within one score. 
It gets picked up. Obviously, that's a turnover on downs. Complete game changer. Uh, quite an egregious pickup, if, if you ask me, because uh, just because of the fact that it was a pretty clear penalty. And, and you know, you see Mike Zimmer and, and you know, the corner on, on Tanyan, uh, you know, get into, get into it with the ref, and then the ref decides to pick it up. Uh, you know, that's he one got pressured that, into picking that up for sure. Yeah, that's definitely what I think happened. And, you know, Rodgers also had a say in that, but, you know, they went with, uh, you know, they went with what the Vikings were going with. And, uh, you know, the ball, he never had his head turned, the DB, uh, never had his head turned on, on Tanyan, uh, never made a play on the ball, uh, held Tanyan's arm down. Uh, and in the end, they picked that flag up. And it makes me wish that, you know, pass interference was reviewable again. <laughs> right. Uh, because because that's getting called every single time, especially uh, when you send it to New York to get reviewed. Uh, so that was crucial. And then that really was a, a big blow to our chances. What and I don't course, understand. Sorry. What I don't understand is why is that the one they pick up? Of all the flags you can pick up, why is it that one? Well, they, we they saw, have... yeah, we saw Jair get called for a very, very similar looking pass interference uh, earlier in, in the, I think it was the third quarter. Uh, and Josh Jackson got called for a ticky tack one as well. And then they go and, and let that one stand uh, or they, excuse me, they, they uh, take that one off off the board. Uh, so that was definitely, you know, that, that was a big blow. And then of course, after, uh, after that uh, Rogers gets us back into the game with a chance to win the game. And of course, at the end, uh, O-line just didn't give him enough time, even though it was a three-on-six rush. Uh, three guys rushing against Jamal Williams and the five offensive linemen. Rodgers needs needs a little bit of time for the guys to get downfield into the end zone, obviously, from you know 40-plus yards away. Uh, and, and once he got it, uh, Rick Wagner kind of let a guy slip away, thinking the play was just about over. Uh, and, and Rodgers got hit and ended up fumbling, and, and that was pretty much the end of it for Green Bay. So yeah, that all this stuff combined, we still had a chance to win and, and we couldn't pull it through. Uh, so, you know, just a weird game. Obviously the weather was a big factor and, and there was a lot of things that went wrong and you have to just chalk it up to one of those games. Yeah. It's one of those games that, that I don't know, I guess every team has these kinds of games. I don't know if the truly great teams have these kind of games, but uh, you, we've certainly seen this kind of game from the Packers before. That's that's definitely something that you could you could say for sure. Uh, it's not the first time we've seen Green Bay have a game where, especially in the Matt Lafleur era, where just everything goes wrong and it's just we can't overcome it. Even if we you know get our way back into the game, it's just something we can't overcome. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that our defense and offense weren't playing complementary football in the slightest uh, this entire game. Up until the end, where Rodgers and Devontae connect, connected on a, a beautiful touchdown pass that uh, that put us within one score, defense makes a stop, gives Aaron Rodgers and the offense the ball with a minute to go, no timeouts. We get in a pretty good position, and going through this final play here, uh, Robert Tanyan catches a nice ball, puts us in a good spot to have some time on the clock. Then there's a situation where the ball is fumbled all over his hands. <laughs> And, you know, we can't pick it up to go try to snap it or, or spike it. Uh, Rogers takes, uh, you know, some Jamal Williams is, is lined up uh, next to him and he's telling Jamal to get on the line, get on the line, get on the line, taking about eight other seconds off the clock. So by the time Tanya had the ball caught at 35 seconds on the game clock, uh, by the time we ended up spiking it, there was about 12 seconds on the clock. Uh, and that, that really brutal. gave us, it gave us one chance. Uh, and obviously we didn't, we weren't successful in that one chance. Uh, so just a combination of all these little things. Uh, oh, by the way, that was to avoid a, an illegal formation penalty. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was trying to get Jamal to get to the line of scrimmage. Uh, otherwise, it would have been a loss of ten seconds, ten second runoff, and that would have pretty much done the Packers in for sure. Um, so all that, all these different little things, just combined to to give us no room for error, uh, and, and we just didn't have it today. Yeah. Uh, that that last series was that was the Tanyan catch. If he would have gotten out of bounds, it would have been so. It would have been a whole different. We probably couldn't have gotten. We probably could have gotten uh, two or three more plays off. You know, I liked how we were just you know picking up chunk plays with Jamal at the beginning of that series. Just you know, if they're gonna leave Jamal wide open, hit him, let him get out of bounds, waste a few seconds, but picking up a good amount of yards. 
And then, uh, you know, I thought the same thing would happen with Tanyan, bit of a bigger, uh, bigger gain on the pass, but he wasn't able to get out of bounds. Uh, that was that was rough. And when he wasn't able to get out of bounds, I and that's when I kind of lost hope for that series. Well, yeah, that and then you know, obviously, we just talked about how he picked up the ball, the DB. Oh yeah, <laughs> DB's holding him down. He finally picks up the ball and then drops it. Devante has to come pick it up, bring it to the referee. Referee takes it, puts it down on the line of scrimmage. Then Jamal is sitting there next to Rogers, and Rogers is telling him to get to the line of scrimmage. And Rogers it takes is about screaming at him. Takes about you can hear it audibly on the on the TV copy. Uh, Rogers, get to the line, get to the line, get to the line right now. And then he yeah. finally. Finally gets to the line, and there's 12 seconds left. Took about 20, you know, over 20 seconds off the clock, and we're just thinking, like, man, what valuable time was lost there? Uh, that could have gotten us into maybe, you know, if we do make a few more plays, uh, we're possibly in position to score from about maybe 15, 20 yards out as opposed to 45. Yeah. Uh, and then that obviously causes, you know, Rodgers to have to create more time to help the receivers get downfield, and then he has to throw up a Hail Mary. Uh, you know, but in the, in another case, uh, we get closer about 15 yards out. All he has to do is come up with a good play and, and make a good throw. And, and the Packers are winners of the football game, despite yeah. everything that had happened prior to that, that series. If Tanyan's able to get out of bounds, we can probably get that thing in the red zone. And then at that point it's, you know, 50, 50, uh, but instead just one Hail Mary opportunity. And you're talking about time lost. This is the thing that annoyed me more than any, well, not more than anything, uh, but Really annoyed me about half and halfway through the qu- third quarter when they took a 14 point lead. Rodgers and the entire offense was we were running plays like we were up 14. I didn't get it at all, and we were running every play down to zero seconds on the play clock. Nothing annoys me more than that, especially when we we're losing by 14 points against a junior high defense and we could not move the ball. Everything looked like so difficult. The amount of like the stoppages uh, to review something like the, the 12 men on the field penalty. Like, why is it this close? Why does it have to be this hard against this defense who they've lost every corner they put out there. They had so many injuries and it was still so difficult for us to move the ball. That, that was definitely a surprise to me to the fact that we had multiple series where things just weren't cohesive for us on offense uh, and you kind of forgot, like, wait a minute, these Vikings really are so limited on defense, uh, and their personnel is de- completely depleted uh, on, on in the secondary specifically and in the pass rush as well. But yet, it they, we made them look like a very formidable defense. And I was surprised at times just because of of you know the reality is they aren't a formidable defense, especially after the way they've traded guys and lost guys to injury. Uh, so that was definitely something that I wasn't expecting. We've seen all year teams march up and down. We did it week one. We've seen us do it. I, I have no idea why it was so difficult today. I get they changed the uh, the coverages. They were going a little bit more two safeties, but uh, I, I don't know. You can't find a solution to that. We had nothing on the ground game. I think David Bakhtiari makes a big difference because something I notice is, especially when we were down late, Aaron was taking much deeper drops. He wasn't playing in rhythm. In rhythm, He wasn't uh, hitting the back foot and letting it fire. He was, you know, dropping back like 10 yards and just drifting around, waiting for something to come open. I don't know if anything was open. I haven't watched the All-22, obviously, but it was so annoying. Like, how is there no one open three seconds into the play against this defense? It didn't make any sense. I get Mike Zemmer is a good coach. I get he's played us a number of times over the years, but uh, I don't know. Against this roster... How is no one open? How are we not moving the ball at will? We were doing it in the first half. We scored on both of our, well, we had three possessions, but we scored on both of the ones that were actual possessions. And uh, then it's just all of a sudden, it's like, it's it's been like this for a while with Rodgers. Whenever we're down now, it just, everything looks so much harder. Going back to last year, going back to 2018, I think it has to do with, you know, like the Ravens. Everyone talks about this with the Ravens. When they can't play their style of offense, Lamar's not a good passer or whatever. And I think that it, I think we're a lot like that, where when we can't uh, commit to the ground game, where we can't go play action bootleg off of that, when we have to play catch up ball, we're just not built for that. And we haven't developed that style of offense yet with Matt LaFleur. I think it has to do with the fact that a lot of the guys that we're throwing out there just, you know, they're not better than who the Vikings have out had out there on Sunday. Uh, you know, the Malik Taylors of the world, uh, Darius Shepard, EQ. 
those guys aren't much better than the corners that the Vikings have, and we're relying on them to be most of our offense uh, apart from Devontae Adams, especially with Aaron Jones out. Uh, so I think that's definitely part of it. You do have to, you know, take into account that our guys aren't really that much better than theirs when you look at it from, uh, you know, opposite field to opposite field. Uh, and just about, you know, the offense and, and the way things change once we get into uh, a bad situation. I feel like Matt LaFleur kind of is stubborn in the way that he sticks to either his game plan or, you know, whatever, just the idea of establishing the run or whatever it is. Uh, I feel like his his offense gets really predictable, especially later in games when we're in dire situations. Uh, and, and not only it's predictable, but he he is just not a great play caller in situations where we need him to be at times. Uh, you know, we see a lot of second and long runs when we're down by fourteen points. That is that's that's why last year uh, we had this issue last year very very often. Um, in the, in the third down area, because we would be on these really long third and down third downs. Um, and we wouldn't be able to convert. Uh, and it had a lot to do with the fact that Matt LaFleur's play calling was putting us in bad positions, uh, come third down. Absolutely. So, you know, the first and second down play calling is crucial, you know, like look, the best way to be efficient on third down is to avoid third down altogether. And running on second and 10 doesn't do that. Second and 10 runs create third and longs. And I don't know why Matt LaFleur is obsessed with running the ball on second and 10. It never goes further than three yards. It is so annoying. And he does it every week. And every time he does it, I just want to harm myself physically. It is so annoying. Nothing he does annoys me more than the second and 10 runs. Like, have you ever played Madden, dude? This is simple stuff. And uh, the, the oh my God, the third and fourth and shorts, the run up the middle. We did it on the two-point conversion where the laces crossed the, <laughs> the inch of the goal line. Thank God. But oh my Lord, the defenses know it's coming, Matt. They know it's coming. That's I don't what, get why he does this garbage. Yeah, it's it, that's where you talk about the just the passiveness from Matt LaFleur. I just feel like... I don't know. What is it? He wants to establish the run, but you know, there's no point in establishing the run when you're down by 14 in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, and you're going to, and you got to throw yourself out of a hole uh, and Aaron Rodgers has to perform some magic, which he almost did. Uh, you know, it's, it's time to run. It's, it's time to run our offense fast, quick, no huddle and let Rodgers do what he wants to do. Uh, that's when you let Rodgers go to work because he's got way more experience than Matt LaFleur does in that category. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers play calling in those two minute drills is much more elevated than what we would be getting from Matt LaFleur. Uh, And that includes, you know, a lot of the runs that Matt LaFleur was doing, uh, even late in the game that cost us time, uh, and it cost us yardage and it put us in bad situations. And in the two minute drill, it's like, I, I'm more confident in those situations and kind of the Mike McCarthy style of offense, if you will, where Rodgers is able to just, you know, really not a whole lot of play design goes into it where Rodgers just takes the ball, looks for who is ever open and uh, get gets rid of it, especially against this Garbo defense. I don't know why we weren't doing that halfway through the third quarter. Started doing it after the two minute warning. And uh, what do you know? We were able to move the ball. And it's like in those situations, we don't have time for the illusion of complexity, as Matt LaFleur always loves to say. We don't have time to set up a run so we can go a bootleg off of that three plays later. We don't have time for that, Matt. We are down 14 points. I don't want A.J. Dillon carrying it for three yards or Jamal Williams for two yards. I'm so sick of that when we're down 14 points. It was a rough game for him as a coach. I I feel like, like I said, the play calling was bad situationally. Um... And, you know, the same way that we'll start getting into the defense here. I feel like the same way in which Matt LaFleur's uh, play calling and, and his use of the run game was passive with the, with a large deficit at hand, uh, the defense was passive in a lot of ways as well, uh, especially on third downs. And, and, you know, that's kind of been the standard for what Mike Pettin's been doing this season. Uh, just, you know, just passive, uh, just guys playing with cushion, trying to protect from the big play. Uh, but in the end, instead of big plays, we're just getting really long drives that take the clock down uh, and put us in bad situations offensively uh, as opposed to big plays. And, and in the end, that's that's pretty much worse uh, because they end up scoring anyway and, and they're controlling time of possession, taking time off the clock. Uh, and like I said, our offense is in a worse spot because of that. 
that has to do with his stupid bend but don't break mentality and i'm so sick of it because we bend worse than any other defense in the league i get the bend i okay last year our biggest issue on defense was the big play we gave up the most 20 20 plus yard plays in the league it was a big issue so if it seems like Mike Pettin has committed everything he has to not letting those happen. But at the same time, he's given up these 14, 15 play drives where they're able to score seven points anyway, because he doesn't care about run defense. And uh, we're playing seven yards off every time. So they can just take whatever they want underneath. And when they're able to control the game like that, it's like, there's nothing our, there's nothing we can do. It feels like it's like, they're just, they're moving the ball at will. And, Mike Patton just not doing anything to help it. Well, when you have Dalvin Cook running the ball, uh, literally the entire game, more uh, just about twice as much as, as Kirk Cousins threw it. I mean, then the whole formula for Mike Patton's game plan on defense is just, it's like useless because he's playing against the pass, uh, but the Vikings aren't even throwing it. And when he, and when they do, uh, it's screen passes, it's short intermediate stuff. Uh, and, and in the end, his game plan is, is not even getting used. Uh, so, you know, when teams can run through us like uh, like we're not even playing defense, it's, it's like, what's the point? I mean, uh, we're just – I don't even know what to say because uh, we play, a, you know, a great running team in San Francisco uh, on Thursday who obviously gashed us twice last season in, in what became two of the worst defeats in Green Bay Packers history. Uh, just absolutely nothing going on last year because of their defense playing so well and then them de- being able to run the ball at will. Uh, and that's kind of what the Vikings did uh, today, except for the fact that our offense actually was able to have some success uh, early on and late. Uh, but other than that, I mean, gosh, what a rough game. I mean, you hate to lose a divisional game, even if it's to a team that won't be competing this year, but you know that's the worst part of it. You want to win these games that you're supposed to win as a team. Uh, and then when you come out and struggle, uh, and now you have to turn it around on a Thursday night against a team that beat you twice last year, like I said, you know, we're in a rough spot and, and we're going to have to definitely come out and win on Thursday if we want to be the team uh, that can contend for a Super Bowl this season. This is definitely a must win game. We cannot, we cannot sit at five and three if we want to be the, you know, the class of the NFC, you know. There's only one bye week this year. That bye week is very important, especially when Seattle is the other great team in the NFC. Uh, it's very important to get that. And when we're sitting at 5-3, and three, it doesn't look very likely. So this Thursday game has suddenly become much more important than it was. And it's going to be tough. You're right. Going, you know, It's a road trip on the Thursday night game. That's always a tough, it's always a tough situation for opposing teams. It really is, and you know, obviously, we are. We've really struggled in the in the Bay Area uh, over the last couple of years, and even this year, we saw that to be true when we lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so we're going into San Francisco th- for the third time in the last two years, and it's going to be a tough one. Uh, but I do want to kind of get back to the uh, to the talking about the defense a little bit. I just I want to know what you thought about how you know maybe some of the injuries that we have could have impacted the way we're playing. Uh, versus, you know, what it, if, it, if it's just Mike Pettin and, and what we're doing out there. I, I want to know from you what you think really the solution could be if there is one uh, and what we have to do to kind of right the ship uh, to get it at least back to what we were doing last season. Uh, because, you know, Mike Pettin was there last season. Uh, we've got a lot of the same personnel this year as we did last year, and we were having a lot more success uh, pretty much everywhere uh, throughout the defense last year. Uh, so I just want to know what you think is the key to getting back on track finally. Yeah, I think last year was a lot of unsustainable things that went our way. You know, we were creating turnovers at an absurdly, at, at an absurd rate. We were a bunch of turnovers that really helped us in a lot of games, especially when our offense wasn't as good as it is uh, right now. But, uh, and creating pressure, that's the other thing. We were one of the best teams at creating pressure last year. The Smith Bros, they had a billion pressures that each of them did. Zedarius was dominant in every game, and we just don't have that anymore. And I've said this before, you know, last year we were playing a lot of offensive lines without their one or two best linemen. It happened like every week. We played a lot of horrible quarterbacks last year too. So I think, uh, I think those 
injuries on the opposing offenses are a big reason as to why we may have looked good at times last year on defense. But, you know, every time we ran into a, a good offense last year, it was what we've seen a lot of this year. We get embarrassed. And I think all of that has to do with Mike Patton. Uh, he gets outmatched in every single game he uh, he's coaching. And the only time we can look good on defense is when the quarterback is horrible or the offensive uh, play caller is, you know, past his prime. Because <laughs> whenever we run into someone who knows what they're doing, we get embarrassed. And usually Kirk Cousins struggles against Mike Patton's defense. But, you know, games like today didn't matter. They stuck to the formula. In all six of Matt LaFleur's losses, they, uh, the Packers have allowed 177 rushing yards per game. And that's, that's how you beat the Packers. That's how you beat Mike Penton. I've said this before. I don't get why teams don't run it down our throat every week. That's how you beat us. So my thoughts on that basically are, you know, we did all this last year pretty much for 16 games, and our defense played pretty well for the most part in a lot of games we played. Why have we seen literally zero aspects of what we were doing last year? Like, I just feel like our pass rush has been his has just dwindled away. Uh, we not one game this season have we played as well as we did last season at any point. Not one game in the pass rush. In the yeah. secondary, obviously Jair has been better than he was last year, but other than that, everybody's been worse. And Kevin King has been out. Of course, that that could be a, a problem, uh, but it's not. You know, we're still just not playing at the same level. And then the turnovers, There's never. we haven't even had a game where we've had multiple turnovers created, if I'm not mistaken. And this was another one where we didn't create a turnover. Uh, it's almost mind-boggling, considering we were creating turnovers almost every game, at least one. Uh, and now we're sitting here, and we've created three turnovers, and we have. And the last one we created was uh, that just that fluke uh, Henry Black fumble uh, that was recovered. Time. Yep, in garbage time that was recovered. Uh, by uh, Adrian Amos against Houston. Uh, so I just don't know. I mean, how could we flip the switch like this as a defense, as a whole unit, with a lot of the same guys, uh, you know, a, the same defensive coordinator? Uh, just n- nothing has really changed. The only thing that's changed is that six months have gone by uh, since February, and now we're just playing at a completely different level, and it's not a better level than we were playing at originally. I think the defense just overperformed last year, last year, and it it goes back to the conversations about how the Packers were a thirteen and three team, but not really as good as a thirteen and three team. And it's, people were saying that because a lot of a lot of things went our way last year. A lot of things that are just unsustainable, like fumbles. Fumbles are you know random. We had a lot of them last year. That's probably going to regress. Interceptions. We played a lot of bad quarterbacks last year. We're, that's probably not going to happen again. And the pass rush. Uh, Preston is much worse than he was a season ago. And Zadarius hasn't been the impact player that he was a season ago. And, you know, Kenny Clark coming back, you double team Kenny Clark and, uh, not much you can do about that with Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster on the opposite sides of him. So, uh, the defense is just, it's tough. It's really tough. And there are really no obvious solutions to what they can do to get better. Kamal Martin, Chris Barnes look pretty good today, but, uh, they're not, they're not great inside linebackers. They're not game-changing inside linebackers. And uh, we don't really have anyone anyone in the secondary who's, you know, sticky in coverage other than Jair where they can force these interceptions. Uh, and Jair just doesn't get targeted, so he can't do anything about that. But uh, it's just, it's, I, don't, I don't even know, like, what the main weakness of the defense is. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what, what we can do. Uh, with Christian Kirksey back, Kevin King back, Raven Green on the field, uh, I like to see all because those three guys I think are going to be improvements for us uh, in those spots that they play. I'd like to see the defense with all three of those guys on the field. Uh, I think that'll help, especially in the run defense, because Kirksey is a pretty stout run defender. Uh, he was tackling pretty well too, especially when he played early on for us, and and he was coming off you know two years straight of not playing. I do want to see him uh, get some action. Hopefully he can play on Thursday night. Uh, Raven Green, I thought, looked really, really good uh, in the last game he played, but he ended up leaving and getting hurt. Didn't play on uh, on Sunday against the Vikings. And I uh, I want to see him get more run as that nickel linebacker type. 
Um, and then obviously Kevin King, when he's good, he can be good. He can cover guys, but then also there's times where we see him be inconsistent and whatever, but I think he'll be an upgrade obviously over Josh Jackson. Uh, so I'd like to see, you know, what we can do with, with our defense at, at full strength at least. Um, and then we'll see what happens. I mean, is there a guy on the trade market that's pretty clearly somebody that we could bring in? Uh, you know, considering cap space and, you know, that would make an impact for us. Not really. I don't really see anybody out there that, that we could feasibly get uh, that would make a difference for us. There's not many great run defenders available on the trade block. Uh, you know, whether you're looking at linebackers in the middle or you're talking about defensive tackle interior guys on the line, there's just not a lot of guys out there. Uh, so we're just going to have to hope that the guys coming back from injury can uh, help us improve enough to maybe where we get to the point where we can maybe find some of that, that magic that we caught in a bottle last year uh, and bring it back to the D train that was getting interceptions and making sacks and, you know, having crucial, crucial plays that helped us win football games and win 13 of them in the regular season last year. Yeah. Well, you know what they say, the best run defense is a good offense. So that's how we've always won games with Matt LaFleur. It's when we get out to good enough leads where the opposing team can't run the ball, they have to pass because they're playing from behind. And uh, that's that's what we need to do because the run defense isn't going to get any better with Mike Patton. So I think a more adequate trade that would fix both our offensive and defensive woes, honestly, would be uh, trading for a wide receiver. Will Fuller, maybe, who we Ian Rappaport is saying we still have maintained interest in. I think that's the best thing Green Bay could do before uh, Tuesday's trade deadline. Look, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. And part of it is because uh, when you look at the way the Green Bay Packers play football and when they win games, it's because on a game-by-game basis, when we win, uh, it's because we get out to a lead early and, and never let the team back in. Uh, when we're winning, that's what happens. And, and that's even dating back to last year. This is just the way that we play. Uh, when we would when we would start off hot and get the lead uh, and and keep teams from running the football and making them pass it, making them try to throw it on us, uh, that created a much better situation for our defense, obviously, uh, giving the pass rush, you know, let them pin their noses back and and you know start to try to get to the quarterback and get home. And then the, you know the the uh, the secondary knows that they're gonna pass it and and uh, they're gonna have more time to lock guys down and and the whole thing kind of just is cohesive in itself and 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 it makes for good defensive play and complementary football on both sides. Uh so yeah, I agree with you there because our offense could use another guy. It's pretty clear after what we saw uh the last 2 weeks, Marquez Valdez Scantling is not capable for us uh and Equinemius St. Brown is even less capable at times. Uh, he gets open, but then, you know, he drops balls just like MVS has been doing. That's not what we saw in his rookie season, but that's the current state of where he's at right now. Uh, neither of those guys are playable for me right now. And Malik Taylor is, you know, he's made a couple nice plays, but he's almost like, uh, you know, he's just a guy out there on the field for 95% of the snaps. Uh, he'll catch a ball here and there, but other than that, he's useless as well. We just don't have weapons right now. Uh, and we need a deep threat. We need speed on offense. We, you know, Will Fuller's a 4-3 guy. Uh, you know, he's a tall, deep threat type of guy. Very fluid, athletic, quick, agility. He's got it all. Um, and Rodgers would just love to have him. Uh, so I just think that's that's the perfect pickup for us. And hopefully it kind of uh, covers some of our other holes that we have all over the football team, like you said. If we started replacing all of MVS's snaps with Will Fuller, this offense would be much, much better. Because other than if whenever Aaron throws to anyone who isn't Devontae Adams, I'm I'm holding my breath, dude, the whole time the ball's in the air because I don't know if it's going to be caught. You never know. MVS is dropping what, like a quarter, a third of all of his uh, all of his targets? Guy can't catch. EQ can't catch. He had two tough catches today. They're not easy catches necessarily, but they're catches that a lot of people in the NFL can make. And EQ and MVS, they just you cannot count on them to make these tough catches. I think for me, a silver lining in this game could be the fact that maybe the front office kind of gets a wake-up call from this. I mean, this is two performances by the receivers and and by the defense in a row that have been puzzling, Uh, you know, and and to me, it kind of 
symbolizes the fact that we need more. There's there's more to be had for us if we want to be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, and I think that starts at wide receiver, and then then you look at it, and obviously we could use a, a you know another interior guy on defense, uh, a, a linebacker to stop the run, um, but. But in the end, you know, we just need more. And I hopefully Brian Gutekinds realizes this after a loss to a team that we should have beaten handily. Um, so I don't know about you, Griffin, but I think that that is something that we could look back on, uh, you know, and, and say, okay, if we can go out and beat San Francisco on Thursday night uh, and, and, and we added uh, a couple guys, um, you know, over this trade deadline here, I think when we're moving on towards the end of the season, we're going to be a better football team for it. And then I think this loss, looking back, we're going to be glad it happened uh, because otherwise, you know, we might not have gotten those guys that I think we're going to end up getting uh, at coming this trade deadline, if you know what I mean. Yeah, if Brian Goody can say he was, you know, he wouldn't budge uh, over more than a third round pick for Will Fuller. I think after watching this game, he should be ready to give up at first. God, you can't come out of this game and just be confident in the receivers we have. I don't know how he was going into the season, honestly, but he was, and it, it doesn't look to be working out. So he better be ready now to uh, to trade what he can to get anybody. It doesn't have to be Will Fuller. It could be a you know, it could be a Randall Cobb or a Kenny Stills. The Texans are in fire sale mode, but uh, it, it has to be someone. We cannot keep going this season with Malik Taylor. And I know we're getting Alan Lazard back, but how much of a difference is that really going to make when teams know that, that if you shut down Devontae Adams, it's, it's a whole lot easier for the pass coverage. We don't, we don't have anyone who really scares you on defense. We don't have anyone who makes you game plan for him other than Devontae. And it's so easy to shut down one receiver. You know, what's more, what's more valuable one great receiver or a wide receiver corpse that is very, very strong. You know, we're seeing it in Buffalo. We're seeing it in L.A., you know, a lot of the L.A. Rams. We're seeing it with a lot of these teams where if you stack up at the wide receiver position, you be, you have a very good offense. It's much better than having one guy who you have to rely on because when you take away the one guy, guess what? There's no one There's no one you can go to. Going off your point there, not only that, but, you know, we're one injury away from being stuck with Alan Lazard as our number one. Um heading into a potential playoff game, a crucial, you know, NFC North clinching game, whatever the case may be. I mean, Devontae Adams is literally our whole passing game. And when he goes down, yes, we can win without him. And we've seen that, but it's just, obviously he is, he makes our offense 10 times better. And his connection with Rodgers is so valuable because he's someone that he just, uh, he trusts limitlessly. Uh, and it's important for Rodgers to have guys that he knows can play and he knows can catch and he knows can, you know, fulfill assignments correctly. Uh, all that, you know, comes to mind for me when I think about depth uh, and what a playoff team needs. And, and for us, I don't think we're there yet, especially at the wide receiver position and at other positions as well. Yeah, because you, you double Devontae and – MVS. Okay, you're a little scared of MVS's speed, I suppose, but all you gotta do is get a little physical with him, you know, jam him at the line maybe, and he's he's gonna be offset and he's not gonna be able to recover on the route, and uh, Aaron's gonna look away from him, and that's what we've been seeing a lot over the past three four weeks. Uh, so if we could just get another guy who could take some of the attention away from Devontae, I think it would be a lot better. Give give him because every time every time Devontae has a single coverage look. Rodgers and Adams both eat the defense alive because you can't stop it. Week one, Minnesota was playing a lot of single coverage with uh, Devontae. Houston was doing it last week. Guess what? He puts up 14 receptions, 13 receptions, and 146 yards, 196 yards because they will eat that up. But the moment you don't do that, we don't have anyone else to look to, so the defense isn't going to stop doubling Devontae. That's a great point. Uh, just, Just not having another guy that you can count on is truly a problem. Uh, you know, no defense is going into a game saying we've got to lock down Marquez Valdez-Scantling because he's going to beat us. It's just yeah. not the case. I mean, Devontae Adams is every team's focus heading into a game, especially without Aaron Jones on the field uh, with, and, you know, going without David Bakhtiari, one of the best tackles, if not the best tackle in football. Uh, you know that the Packers are going to try to throw the ball around a little bit more because that's really what they've got to do. Um, 
And when teams control Devontae to a point where Rodgers has to start looking around and he's not prepared for that uh, because these guys aren't open and he has to go through all these progressions and that it's just it just gets to a point where our offense loses the rhythm uh, and the cohesiveness that we need to be a great team. This was really one of the games where we've seen Matt LaFleur's Packers win because they're able to just rely on the scheme the entire game because they're always ahead. But, you know, going into this game with, with Mason Crosby having a injured hamstring and uh, the wins were a major factor, we weren't able to kick field goals. We were going for it on a lot of fourth and tens, which was giving, which if we didn't convert, giving the Vikings a great field position. And once we go down, we got to start playing actual offense that's not reliant on the scheme completely. And we do not have the players to be able to win, even against these this scrub defense and i'll say the same thing after the tampa bay game because and it's this is this in the eagles game were the only one of matt lafleur's career losses where we weren't getting completely blown out this is only the second close game we've had under matt lafleur you know that was a loss at least it's because when we get down we're not able to we don't have the offensive talent to uh to play in a shootout really and when we're playing a great defense like Tampa Bay or San Francisco, a great pass rush specifically, there's really nothing we can do, and we have no answers for it. All right, so let's talk about the trade deadline a little bit, Griff. Uh, just give me some guys that you think might be targets for us, and you know specifically on the offensive side and the defensive side, if you've got any. Uh, and you know, tell me then your predictions potentially for who we actually bring in. Uh, I think really the only option here is Will Fuller. He's the guy that we have apparently maintained interest in over the past few weeks. And uh, I think, I think there's a good chance we could see him traded to green Bay, especially after Sunday's game. But uh, you know, all these other guys, John Ross, I don't think, I don't think Goody's willing to gamble on him. He's, he's fast. He had a great 40 yard dash, but that's about it for him. And uh, you know, Randall Cobb, it's a big contract. I don't think he's willing to trade for any of these guys with a big contract. Will Fuller's on the last, last year of his rookie deal. I think that's a move he would make, and I think it's a move he should make, too. What do you think of Jamison Crowder from the Jets? Uh, you know, that would be great. That would be great. He's on a contract. I don't know what his contract is. but uh, he's, I think he's making about $8 million this year. $8 million? Yeah. That's a, it's, a, it's a deal. I mean, it's something that they could manage, though. That's the thing. It's, it, it does fit under the cap parameters of what he has left in his deal. Um, so there's guys available. Like, Jamison Crowder is one. He's a slot guy that I think would uh, kind of help us in the fact that he's really the Jets' number one target right now. Jets are selling everybody. I think he'd be a good fit. Uh, another guy at receiver would be, you know, Randall, like you said, Randall Cobb. But he is making $9 million a year, three years on this deal, kind of overpaid uh, for a little bit of an older guy. He got actually a raise uh, from what he was getting in Dallas. Uh, so that was interesting. But, uh, yeah, I love Randall Cobb. He'd fit right in with Aaron. Uh, so I wouldn't rule that out, but uh, he does have a bit of a high number on his contract. Uh, another guy, uh, DJ Chark uh, in Jacksonville. He's a really good player. They're number one weapon too, and, and obviously they're willing to, to trade guys as well, so he's a good fit, I would think. Um, and uh, Golden Tate is another one uh, that, that, would, that would make some sense. He's a bit of a high-priced guy, but you know he's got good hands. You could plug him in to play. Uh, with Rodgers, shorthanded, uh, you know, kind of a security blanket type guy for Aaron. Uh, when you're looking at receivers, those are some of the guys that uh, that you'd look into possibly. Uh, but like you said, I think Will Fuller's the guy for us. He just fits what we need. He's He's got a ton of talent. Uh, and I think overall, you know, like you said, he's on the end of his rookie deal. We could let him go and get a comp pick the year after. Uh, maybe even, you know, replace the trade value that we would give up. If Let's say we gave up a second round pick. Uh, we let him walk in free agency uh, this offseason, and then we get a third-round pick next year for the contract that he ends up getting in free agency. Uh, you know, so, I mean, this seems like a no-brainer for me, uh, but, you know, we'll have to see what Brian Gudikins does at the receiver position. Uh, but are there any targets for you that, uh, even on defense, that you'd like to see us bring in? No, not really. I don't think there's – like you said earlier, I don't think there's anyone defensively on the trading block – that really piques your interest. And I don't think that's a move that uh, Brian Gutekind should make because what's, I think, an offensive weapon like Will Fuller, who gives us everything we were missing right now on offense, is much, much more valuable than uh, another defensive piece for Mike Patton, who has clearly shown he's not, 
he does not value the defensive pieces Brian Gutekunst has given him over the years. One guy whose name has been uh, circling trade rumors is Jets uh, defensive lineman Quinnen Williams, who was the number three pick in the 2019 draft. Uh, you know, he he's a run defender, young guy, a guy that you would maybe want to start building your defense around if you're the New York Jets, but everybody's available and, and they're fielding calls on him. So, you know, Brian Gutekunst, does he want to offer maybe a second round pick and, and more? I would say maybe. It depends though. If if they can't get Quinn and Will, if, excuse me, if they can't get Will Fuller, maybe then you start exploring some other opportunities like a guy like Williams. Uh, but for me, it starts and ends with Will Fuller for us. Uh, and, you know, I would welcome more moves after that, but I think we definitely need to secure him, getting him in, in a green and gold uniform, uh, and then hopefully, you know, figuring out the rest from there. Yeah, Quinnen would be great. I mean, if you're looking at individual players in the run defense of why they're so bad, it starts with uh, the defensive linemen other than Kenny Clark. Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry are they're bad. And so Quinnen Williams would help a lot in that department, but I don't know how likely it is that the Jets would trade him, especially for anything less than a first-round pick, considering what, he was the third overall pick? Yeah. Yeah, the, just a season ago, he was uh, the third overall pick, So I, and he's really, really good, so I can't imagine they'd be willing to trade him for some second-rounder. Remember, yeah, uh, remember when he sneezed and blessed himself? Yes. <laughs> that was a great moment. Well, okay. Uh, anyway, what do you in the end? What do you think? Uh, what do you think we do at the deadline? What is your predict? Like, do we make a move? Do we make multiple moves? Do we make zero moves? Uh, do we get Will Fuller? Who's the guy we end up getting? Tell me what you think. If we're gonna get anyone, it's probably gonna be Will Fuller. But uh, knowing the Green Bay Packers, I I don't have a ton of faith in them making something happen. Just looking at the draft we had knowing that our receivers sucked going into the year and we still drafted Jordan Love in a third string running back. But yeah, I don't have a ton of faith in Brian Gutekunst being aggressive. That would be for me, that would just, uh, I would be close to done with Brian Gutekunst. I love him, but, and you know, he's made some good moves for us, but there, it's getting to the point where uh, he's just not doing enough for us to have a chance to win. Uh, for me, at least, obviously, Aaron Rodgers masks a lot of the bad things that go on with our roster. Uh, but I think it's time to start surrounding him with really good players to put us over the top and give us a real another chance to to get to the Super Bowl and win one. Uh, and I think Aaron deserves that. How many quarterbacks would be good with this receiving talent? Like one. Look at, <laughs> look at Russell Wilson. This guy's. One quarterback, I'm so jealous. One quarterback, yeah. one quarterback would be good uh, with this group of receivers, and his name is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. Well. Well, I, Brian Gutekunst. I don't. I don't know about him, man. I don't know. He's had three drafts. None of them look great. Sean Gary is not taking the step forward we wanted him to. Darnell Savage is playing worse than he did last year. And uh, his free agent class from last year, which is the main reason anyone had any kind of respect for him, they're they're not playing as well as they did last year. Both the Smiths, Amos, uh, Billy Turner. Billy Turner is probably better than he was last year. But, yeah, I don't know about Gutekunst. He's not looking that good in hindsight based on the moves he's made. He can well, make got- up for it by trading for Will Fuller. I was just going to say he's got a chance to redeem himself. Uh, by the end of this, uh, by the end of the trade deadline on Tuesday at four p.m. Eastern time, yeah. uh, he's got a chance. I mean, it's it's about who we bring in here. What does he want to do here with this team this season? Uh, is he looking to win or is he looking to be a playoff team for the next fifteen years by drafting Jordan Love? Uh, it, or is yeah. he or is he trying to win a Super Bowl? That's the question right now. Uh, you know, what is his legacy going to be? Is his legacy going to be as a GM? Uh, you know, having a consistently average to good team every year, or does he want to have a Super Bowl team under his, you know, does he want a Super Bowl ring? Uh, because that's what Green Bay's about. Uh, so does he want a Super Bowl ring as a GM? We're going to find out, uh, obviously, over this over these next few days. Uh, but I do want to, I do want to ask you about this upcoming game here, Griff. I mean, what do you think, uh, What give me, give me your thoughts on what we're going to have to do here to, to bounce back from a tough loss. Uh, obviously, San Francisco is a team that has had our number the past two games that we've played them including the NFC championship game in which we lost, uh, I believe it was 37 to 20. 
so just tell me, you know, what do you think? Uh, what do you think we got to do to change our spell this time around against them, uh, and also change our fortunes uh, for what we had uh, on Sunday against the Vikings? Well, uh, I think we're gonna have to I think we're gonna have to score a lot of points, and you know, San Fran had a lot of injuries today. George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, they were already a banged up roster. Uh, with n- really no running backs, but uh, it, it doesn't matter with Shanahan. You know, Shanahan's one of those guys that it doesn't matter who you give him; he's still gonna put together a co- uh, cohesive offense. We saw him almost beat us at Lambeau two years ago with C.J. Beathard starting at quarterback, who you know maybe starting on Thursday. But uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to score a lot of points on offense because I I, I just do not trust Mike Patton to go head to head against Kyle Shanahan. Another guy that went out for San Francisco was Fred Warner, their their defensive captain, uh, the guy that really calls all the plays for them in in the middle, uh, and he's a big big part of what they do. Obviously, yeah, that's uh, he's a big guy for them, and I'm not sure what the what the statuses of these guys are at this time. But Tevin Coleman was another guy that went down with a knee injury. Uh, Raheem Mostert's already out for them. Debo Samuel probably won't play on Thursday against us, so they're missing guys too. Uh, hopefully we get some of these guys like David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Raven Green, Christian Kirksey, Alan Lazard. Hopefully we get some of these guys back in the fold here and give us really a full healthy roster, maybe against a team that isn't as healthy as they'd like to be. Yeah, that's really why you, that's why you have to sit Bakhtiari and Jones, right? So they can make the turnaround for Thursday's game. No point to play them this week when we got a game in four days. I'm hoping that's that's the case because David Bakhtiari practiced all week. And I think uh, having him back really creates a cleaner pocket for Aaron and uh, will help him, I don't know, feel more comfortable in the pocket because he's he, he looks a lot different in the pocket as of late than he did weeks one, two, and three. Well, it's a tough task going up against the San Francisco pass rush who's got a ton of guys. Uh, they've got guys everywhere. Uh, and it's, it's going to be important to have the league's best offensive tackle out there defending Aaron uh, and, you know, keeping him clean. Uh, the key to this game is going to be how much can Rodgers, you know, how often is Rodgers going to be able to have a clean pocket uh, and get what he wants done, uh, done. Uh, and I think it starts with, obviously, the offensive line's ability to stop their pass rush. And then Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play in rhythm with the offense. Hopefully we got guys that can get open. Um, and hopefully Aaron Jones is back, and maybe we could run the football this week uh, at a good enough level to the point where it opens up the rest of our offense in the passing game. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully it'll be a, a better game than uh, the two games we saw in San Francisco last year. <laughs> San Francisco actually uh, ended up losing to the Seahawks today uh, on Sunday, so now we're sitting at uh, the point where it's, uh, the 49ers are 4-4. Four and four. The reigning yeah. NFC champions are 4-4. Four and four. Uh, So obviously they're in desperation mode in definitely the league's best division. Uh, they're last place at 4-4. Four and four. Uh, and if they've got two more wins than the first place team in the NFC East, uh, <laughs> heading in, heading into today. So, you know, uh, that's, that, that's a desperate team. You know, we don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo will be starting or if it's going to be Nick Mullins or if that, like you said, Griff, they might go to CJ Beathard. Uh, we're not sure yet with all these injuries, we're not sure who's going to play, but regardless of who's in there. We've got to change the narrative. We've got to finally win a game in California. You know, we've got to win a game in one of these hot cities. Uh, we have to just get back to what we want to do. Um, and it'd be a great chance to exercise some demons, obviously, from, from last season, getting blown out uh, by this team twice. Uh, this is a game where we can change our season. Um and play really at a high level and, and get back to where we want to be uh, and put us right back in that spot of being a true contender in the NFC. Yeah, we're in a spot now where it's if we lose this game on Thursday, are we really contenders in the NFC? Probably not. Probably not, especially if it's as embarrassing as the Tampa Bay game or either 49er game last year. I mean, yeah, considering this team just lost to the Seahawks in a pretty decisive, uh, decisive game. Uh, if we go out and lose to them again, that's tough. I mean, where do you place us at that point? We'd have mm-hmm. to, we'd have to get hot, and we'd have to. Obviously, there's a lot of season left even after this Thursday night game. Uh, but it, things at that point would not be looking good. We'd have to really change direction of of what we want to do and what we've been doing. It'd have to be a complete 180. 
especially, you know, if we go lose back-to-back games and, you know, it, it, it gets easier a little bit uh, as, as the season goes on. We have to still play Chicago twice. The divi- even at 5-3, and three, if we lose this next game, we'll still have a great shot at winning the division. If not, you know, we might be in first place still. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, we want to win these games, these games that are against prime NFC teams. Like, we beat the Saints earlier in the year, and that, that felt like, okay, this team is different, you know. Uh, then we go and lose to Tampa, Tampa Bay, and we're not sure about that anymore. Here's a good, here's a good chance to, even though they're four and four, we know they're a great team. They've been dealing with injuries and a lot of different things. This is a chance to go out and beat a team that had beaten us twice, exercise our demons, like I said, uh, and, and make us feel better about ourselves as a team and and really put us back into that contender status, uh, as we reach for a Super Bowl trophy. Absolutely. And in order to do that, we're going to have to put this Minnesota game behind us and uh, make the short turnaround to this game on Thursday. We have to travel to San Francisco. That's never easy for the Thursday for the Thursday uh, away opponent. You know, odds are stacked against you playing on such a short, short schedule, but it's something the Packers are going to have to do. They're going to have to look a lot better than they did on uh, on Sunday. I think Aaron Rodgers has to play well. Uh, what was markedly different about you know, last year versus this year is that Aaron Rodgers looks like young Aaron Rodgers again most of the time. Uh, and this is a chance for him to play well against a team that he looked at his worst last year. He did not play good last year against against the uh, 49ers in either, in either game. Um, and statistically, Rodgers is putting up numbers this year, uh, and, and he's throwing the ball better too. So I think this is a good chance for improvement for us, and it gives us a chance to find a thing that we can do better than we did in the last game and give us a better chance to win. If we could throw downfield against this 49ers defense, get out to a lead, maybe we can make them throw it with whoever they've got at quarterback, whether it's Jimmy G or Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, any of those guys, they're not going to be able to throw on us. You know, We have a good pass defense. Jair Alexander's locking down their number one, uh, whoever that even is, because they're receiving core is so depleted um so i think if we can make them throw the ball we've got a good shot to win you know even though they've beaten us uh i think we've got a good shot to win but on the other hand if they come out uh you know go up by seven ten points early our offense struggles they get the ball back they're sitting at 14 17 point lead whatever the case is uh then you're talking about okay now they're going to run the game away uh, take time off the clock. Rogers is going to be playing catch up. We'll get back into the game late, and we just won't be able to stop them. Uh, so that's what you're talking about here. You gotta you gotta take control of the game early if you're Green Bay, uh, and it starts with Matt Lafleur. He's got to play aggressive, and it starts with Mike Pettin. He's got to play aggressive. We have to come out wanting to win this football game. Yeah, it's it's a must win for maybe not the Packers. Uh standing wise but the perception of the Packers as a team it's definitely a must win and it's a must win for the 49ers too that's the that's the thing about this game it's going to be a big one uh this may be the biggest Thursday night game of the year for for any team in the NFL it's going to be a big one especially if the Packers uh can kind of compete with them uh for the first time you know this this will be a big one if, if this if this is a closer game I think Green Bay is a great shot to win here um, especially with the injuries that the that the Niners are dealing with, but uh, even 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 at full strength, you know, just it's about how you start. Last year we started off like we like we had a good chance to to play well, and then one thing went wrong. If you remember, Devonte got called for you know walking up to a guy and taunting or whatever, and that took away our whole you know cohesiveness on that drive. Uh, and then after that game. Uh, after that drive, excuse me, the game just went awry in every way. Uh, and, you know, that's the way the Packers have lost. Things start off good. Same thing happened in Tampa. Same thing happened against the Vikings uh, on Sunday. We start off good. Everything looks fine. And then all of a sudden one thing happens and it changes the game and we never look back and we lose. We have to avoid that against the 49ers on Thursday. And it starts with having success early coming out to a lead, uh, and keeping it for the rest of the game. Absolutely. This Packers team does not respond to adversity very well, whether it be uh, interception from Rodgers or uh, a fumble or a dumb penalty. It's just, you're right. Every loss they have is something something happens where it just looks like a different team after that play. So they're definitely going to have to 
you know, come out on offense, hot, score early and often, be efficient with the ball, which is that's when they're at their best, when they're able to move the ball consistently, avoid the negative plays, avoid the penalties, uh, just avoid shooting themselves in the foot. That's when we see this team play the best. You're right. It's really about not beating ourselves as opposed to the other team beating us. Uh, I definitely think that's the key here. We have to play our best football, and, and we'll let the chips fall where they may. All right, everybody. That's going to that's gonna do it here for the Today in Titles on Packers podcast. We'd like to thank you all for listening, uh, listening to the end here. Uh, you, know, can, you can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, mostly. We're probably there. And uh, for me, Bron, it's going to do it. And we hope to, we hope to talk to you after, uh, after a W on Thursday night. Thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.